On this episode of Documento, I'm speaking with Armin, aka Armani Talks. Armin, thanks so much for coming on. No problem, Alejandro. Thank you for having me. So I figured we could talk about two core tenets of your philosophy, public speaking and creativity. And we can start off with some kind of basic tips on public speaking, how people can get started, some common mistakes. Take it away. Sure. So I've been doing public speaking for the past five years. I initially started because I used to be awful. I couldn't really have social interactions one-on-one. It was always something that felt weird to have. So I thought in order to overcome like social anxiety, I should tackle the beast first, right? Do public speaking first. So since then, I began my journey in Toastmasters. Um, Doing Toastmasters for your audience who doesn't know what it is, it is by far the number one public speaking club in the world not just in the US, but there's branches in India, Australia, Russia, all these places. So I started doing Toastmasters, um, you know, gave some speeches, I've learned a lot of stuff in the way. And throughout my journey, I've seen a lot of stuff that people do well and stuff that people don't do well. So stuff that people do well, um, it's typically practice because public speaking is a skill just like anything else and you get better with time. Another thing that people do well is after you get three to five speeches under your belt, you actually start enjoying public speaking. The speech anxiety turns into speech excitement. So those are two like really big joys in public speaking. But in terms of stuff that people can improve on, I mean, there's a lot of variables. Um, Just to give you a few for your audience, one is having really good message but a monotone voice. Have you ever heard that speaker that's like very, very educational, but you can't even stay awake for him? (laughs) That's true. Yeah, it's because his voice is like this the whole time. So that's something that people could improve on. Another thing is looking down too much because when you're nervous, when you have speech anxiety, the last thing you want to do is look at all these eyeballs staring at you. So your subconscious mind makes your eyes go down. So that's another thing that I would say that people go wrong at. And another thing that people do is that they go on stage and they're not too authentic at first. They, they view public speaking as a way of putting on an act. But one of the better ways that I like to think of it is having one-on-one conversations with multiple people. And when you do that, you start maintaining your authenticity. So those are three mistakes that um, a lot of people make in the initial stages. Mm, it's interesting. It seems like we really need to focus on uh, combining and aligning our energy with the message that we're trying to convey. That's true. I will say public speaking is more about communicating energy and the words are a byproduct of that. Mm. Because if you have all the right words, but you're not delivering it correctly, then it goes over a lot of people's heads and then they start mind wandering. The thing is, a lot of your audience members are going to be present physically, but mentally, they may be thinking about, you know, your bills. They may be thinking about uh, the ticket that they just got recently, the new movie that's coming out Friday. So your energy, your voice is going to mentally bring them to the present as well. That's interesting. And I'm thinking now to all the experiences I've had either watching or doing a speech myself, 
or I've gone through the motions of just like looking down, not being enthusiastic in my voice or being in the audience where you have something on your mind that's distracting you. It's very relatable. So I guess somebody that can excel in this field is, is admirable when you think. No, for sure. And the cool thing about public speaking is once you start figuring it out, once you start being able to talk to an audience at scale, now one-on-one -on -one interactions feel a lot smoother as well. Because now you understand that if you can talk in front of 50 people, you can easily talk in front of one person. That's why when you conquer speech anxiety, your social anxiety becomes resolved as well. It's a nice little chain effect that happens. That's fascinating. So there's a little bit of pour over, I guess, when you start to develop that ability, it pours over into other parts of your life, like increased confidence and lowered anxiety. Absolutely. It's also because public speaking, it's like the number one fear in the world. It was Jerry Sanfield who said, that's like, because people are more scared of public speaking than death. And that's when Jerry Sanfield was like, so a person is in a funeral and the guy giving the eulogy is more scared than the person that's actually in the casket. Yeah, so when you conquer a fear that is that intense, you do have a level of confidence because you were able to do what a lot of people don't even attempt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, two things at this point. Um, first thing for all the listeners, Armand gives some great tips, practical tips on public speaking, what seems like on a daily basis, and I've been following him for months. I highly recommend that you guys check it out, go through his tweets. There's so much value there that he just gives for free. It's, it's spectacular. The second thing is, um, now of course, I noticed um, the utility of Toastmasters, but one thing that I took into my own hands was public speaking um, on my own and not paying anything for it. What I did is just do it on my Twitter. And I did about, I think, 25 consecutive days of public speaking tips that you guys can all like, scroll through my Twitter to see those. They're all still there, live streams. Uh, just giving you practical tips of how you can improve this skill set because it's critical. Um, and the beauty of social media is that you can practice it for free anytime you want. So take, take uh, advantage of both those resources. Definitely. I mean, even nowadays, um, you mentioned Alejandro, you have 400 followers. Just going up and talking to them, that's almost like a wedding. A lot of weddings are 400 plus people looking at you. So you, that's you pretty much practicing a best man speech. That's true. So I, yeah, I mean, even speaking in a digital space, when you know that a lot of people are watching you, that's a form of public speaking. And I also like to take it a little further. I mean, you and I having a conversation just one-on-one, -on -one, that's a level of public speaking as well. Whenever you're outside talking to people, that is public speaking. But the reason speech anxiety comes in the first place is because you start viewing it as a certain act, like a, this special act where you have to put on this act yourself. Mm. And that's when you start, in the public speaking world, we call it mask mode, <laughs> or in the social dynamics world, it's called a nice guy. You're starting to do stuff uh, for approval, like you start acting in certain ways, uh, thinking if the audience likes you. But if you start just acting like yourself and you start just having one-on-one -on -one conversations with people, it's kind of like me and you are, now your level of authenticity is skyrocketing as well. And you're speaking to the audience's subconscious mind. So the likability enhances. Hmm. That's really interesting. Would you say that as you're giving a speech, you're forced to engage the creative centers of your mind 
to bring in new ideas, to kind of recalibrate based on the, the feedback of the audience. Wouldn't public speaking make you a more creative person? Absolutely. The, the thing that um, I try to really promote with my Twitter page is called dynamic public speaking, where say you do practice uh, in your room before the day of the speech, just because you practice in your room doesn't mean that all the variables of your room are going to translate to the actual speech. What if hypothetically, while you're talking, midway in, someone's phone starts going off and they actually pick up and answer it. Oh. Or say a baby starts crying in the audience and it's just getting louder and louder, but the parent won't take the baby away. In those kind of instances, unless you can be dynamic, your speech is going to suffer in the process. That's why you need a creative mind. You can't just be logical in the public speaking world. You need that mind that can adjust to situations like that. Mm. And one of the best ways to practice on that creativity is what I call a realistic visualizations. When you just visualize the positives, then what happens is, say something does go wrong on your speech, the speech day, you start getting rattled. But when you do realistic visualizations, where you hope for the positive, but you also battle test your mind for the negatives, now it's a little bit different. Now your creative mind is becoming engaged. And you're way more dynamic day of. Hmm. I agree with you. I mean, creativity is, creativity is by far one of the most important aspects of public speaking. That and storytelling. Yeah, storytelling is another one. I mean, the value that you provide on your channel is really interconnected because these skills complement each other pretty nicely. And, you know, say you do nothing else besides practice creativity, practice storytelling, public speaking, you're going to be thriving your entire life because pretty much all these interactions in our daily life and work and social life have some aspect, like you say, of these, of these components, you know, you're telling stories all the time. You're, you're giving speeches to people all the time. You have to be creative in conversation at a job interview, wherever. So it's to your benefit. Yeah. And that's the funny thing because say you are becoming a really good public speaker. Eventually, once you build that skill, now your storytelling is going to improve from that. And as you're developing your storytelling, your creativity is going to improve. Mm -hmm. And as your creativity improves, um, you're more fun in social interactions. So it's like what you just said. It's a little chain effect. Mm -hmm. Like a snowball effect. Yeah. Yeah. It makes you think if somebody's in a certain profession and they decide they want to make a drastic change, like a doctor wants to become like a fiction author, the the skill sets are are very different. But if you cultivate throughout your whole life these skills, it it becomes industry independent where you can go into any job and still excel and be valuable for the company, help them make more money, more connections, whatever. Absolutely. That's why a little cheat code in the public speaking, I would say is the best speakers are really good writers and good writers can eventually become great speakers as well. Mm. It seems very counterintuitive because one, you're speaking, the other one, you're not saying a word, you're just typing. But the reason that the two skill sets apply to each other is because writing helps you think slower. And when you can think slower, you can enunciate your words much more clearly. And vice versa, if you can speak very clearly, now you can articulate your thoughts to writing in a good way too. So, I mean, that's a little skill spillover that the public speaking world has. That's why for your audience members, 
if they're trying to really break into the public speaking world, I recommend writing at least 15 to 20 minutes a day. Mm. In like a journal? In a journal. A journal is a good uh, um, option. So is just making a Twitter page. The, what I try to do with the Twitter page is treat it like an online journal. Mm. You could create a blog. But there's uh, three different vehicles, um, a personal journal, online journal, blogs. But whatever it is, I recommend that they do it every day just for like 10 to 15 minutes. But if you can keep on building that writing muscle, you'll notice that you're becoming a much better public speaker. It makes sense yeah, because Twitter is a tool that only it really restricts the word count to a certain amount. So you have to be concise and, and have impact in your message. So it's a really Absolutely. good point. Absolutely. And say um, a tweet is resonating with someone and you turn that tweet into a thread. What happens is you're being forced to expand on a thought, which initially, like say you're not writing it down. You have a cool thought. You're like, oh, wow, it's cool. Then you go back to your day. But with Twitter, it's forcing you to add nuance to your thinking. Mm. So in many ways, um, you have more conversation topics as a public speaker. You actually virtually never run out. Yeah, it's true. And as you yeah. get more and more creative, you really don't run out of ideas because you just keep building on past ideas. Absolutely. And what I like to view creativity as, uh, is as um, with logic alone, you just see different dots, right? But creativity glues the thoughts together and you start getting a picture. And that's the cool thing about creativity. I, I would say it turns your mind from a galaxy to a universe. So you, mm. the thoughts and the content is limitless. You'll have it forever if you can really unlock your creative brain. Wow, amazing. Wow. And the hope with this podcast is that uh, listeners will go off and creatively, creatively apply their skill sets into their lives and uh, start doing some of the things you mentioned in this episode. So Armand, to close this interview, how about you give us an introduction and tell us a little bit about your story and how you got into this journey? Sure. So when I first was getting into public speaking, I was not the most confident person. And I was a very, very hard skills lenient guy. You know, I was uh, starting to become an electrical engineer at the time. And while I was in College of Engineering, I noticed every single person in my space was the traditional awkward engineer. But eventually I came to that point where I realized that I didn't want to fall into that boat. I wanted to have a more creative side. I didn't just want to be overly logical. So I decided to, you know, really try to build my confidence in a certain way. And that's when I stumbled into Toastmasters. Toastmasters was coming to my campus. And I was like, yo, I have to go. Yeah, I have to go. So my buddy and I, we go and we're supposed to go just to check it out. We're not going to participate or anything like that. We're just going to watch everyone else speak. But if your audience members don't know, there's a section called Table Topics. And this is when the Toastmaster or the Table Topics Master gets random people from the audience and brings them on stage. Oof. Yeah. And guess who ended up getting called? <laughs> of course. Yeah. And it was funny because my topic was like the most ambiguous thing. It was, um, what do you call it? A, a maraca. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I was supposed to talk about this maraca for one to two minutes. Oh, that's so funny. Right. Right. So I get on stage, I'm nervous. I'm actually recognizing a lot of people in the audience. There's like some, cute girls from my chemistry class there's 
like a lot of my fr like fraternity brothers, all that stuff. And I just get on stage and I don't say one single word. Oh. I just get on stage just petrified with all these people looking at me. And it was a big audience. It was over 70, 80 people or so. And after that moment, um, I felt really embarrassed. I pretty much hit the bottom of the bottom in the public speaking world. It was a choke artist job. And I decided to quit for the next two to three months and I completely stopped public speaking. But after the three months, I realized that even though a lot of people forgot about it, about the whole public speaking incident, I still remembered it. And it was really affecting my confidence. So I decided that I was going to give it one more chance and really try to figure it out from there. So one of these days I entered Toastmasters again, and this time I get called on stage again for another table topics. And this time uh, my topic was coffee. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I think I could talk about that. So I get on stage. I actually deliver something for a minute to two minutes. I don't want table topics master or table topics competition, but that was enough to get my confidence in the right direction. Mm. At first I thought public speaking was this impossible task, but this time, even though speech was really choppy, it was better than the first time. And that's all it really took for me to keep on trying to level up more and more and more. And eventually I kept going to Toastmasters uh, week by week. And I was able to work my way up uh, from going just from a member to eventually a recruiter where I could bring other really anxious speech anxiety people to the club to eventually become VP of Toastmasters. And nowadays I just share my insights regarding public speaking, the good and the bad. So other people that are trying to enter this field can understand what works and what doesn't work. So yeah, at this point, I mean, soft skills are one of my true passions because it really did allow me to just go from this hard skills engineer to a new kind of engineer. I, I try to call it the artistic engineer. Mm -hmm. So it is a little different, but that's the predominant message I share on Armani Talks. It seems like that's where the world is turning towards with all the creative, you know, applications today. You're combining critical topics and soft skills and, and making it into a very easy to understand beneficial uh, medium on Twitter. So uh, thanks to you, people have hope for their greatest fear. For sure, for sure, absolutely. Uh, the reason a lot of people traditionally just skip over soft skills is because you can't really quantify it. You know, it's really hard to say, oh, well, this is how you learn public speaking. Now you're people, a public speaker, right? <laughs> people think it's just like you get up and you just do it. But being an engineer for five years as well, I did understand that I'm kind of one of those guys that likes set frameworks. So I do my best on my page to set really structured frameworks to learn the ambiguous. So I, I have frameworks on developing creativity, emotional intelligence, how to make a friend stuff that we've been winging our entire lives, there are certain um, formulas that you can follow to skyrocket your progress. Wow, that's so true. It's all, it's all been trial and error, you know, growing up. <laughs> had to learn the hard way. Nobody taught us these things. Right, you have to fail a lot, but eventually you are going to pick it up. And it's just about practicing. And But before even practicing, you have to see value in it. A lot of people are like, oh, well, soft skills, what do I need that for? But without soft skills, you and I wouldn't be able to communicate as well as we are right now. Okay. I mean, it's important in every facets of our lives. I mean, 
that we uh, human beings are social creatures. So being able to communicate is a major key. That's still true. Arman, I want to thank you so much for this interview. It's been value packed and a lot of fun. I appreciate you for having me, Alejandro. Uh, this was um, a great interview. You're a great host as well. And good stuff on the questions. Thanks so much. And we'll keep in touch, all right? For sure. Appreciate you.